And sometimes I sometimes people will come up to me in person and they'll be like, "You're my news source," and I'm like, "Well, I please don't. Sure, fucking hope yeah. not, because yeah. I'm not anyone's news. I'm not a news source. Um, you know, again, I do commentary. I comment on the news, as we all do. Um, I've just found a way that, at least for right now, and and recently has been able to click with people on a on a on a grand scale. Um, you know, it is very shareable. It is very digestible. And I want that to inspire people to go further. Hello, friends. Welcome to Let's Give a Damn, a show about extraordinary people who give lots of dams and the stories behind their lives and work. All of my guests have this one thing in common. They're trying to live absurdly intentional lives. And for the next hour and change, you'll get to hear from them and learn from them. I'm Nick LaPara, and on the show today, Matt Bernstein, known as Matt XIV on social media, joins me to talk about their massive social media following, how and why they started creating such incredible and impactful content, what it's like being a prominent LGBTQ plus leader on social media, how they deal with trolls and bigotry, and so much more. Matt is a content creator, a makeup artist, and a self-proclaimed, quote, friendly queer Jew with very long nails, end quote, who has amassed a dedicated community of millions of people online. Because social media is such a key component in building community and movements, I wanted to learn from the best. Matt and I had a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it, learn from it, and will share it with a friend or two or maybe 10. Before we get into this incredible conversation, a quick reminder, as always, that you can email me anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. You can ask questions, recommend future guests, tell me how much you love or hate the show, how much you love or hate me, anything goes. I just love hearing from you. And now, let's get right into my conversation with the smart and stunning Matt Bernstein. Here we go. One thing that you do super well is you get, you get, I don't want to get into it just yet. You get hit from every angle by all kinds of people. I do. And you still, well, A, you still put content out and then you still, uh, like you don't, like you're still here. You're still here and you're doing the work. I'm here. And so um, I've, I've, I've been fascinated by your content for several years now. Um, not only is it incredibly powerful and shareable and all those things, but yeah, like you keep coming back. You keep coming back. I for keep more. coming back. What do you expect to happen to me? Am I going to disappear one day? No, maybe no. actually. I've contemplated it. I really have. There, just have, like getting off. Yes, there have been several times, and one really notable time mm. where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like I need. I was going to delete everything. I was calling. You know, because this is my job is making content. Yeah. Um, and and I was calling my friend who has like a very normal nine to five. And I was like, you need to help me, like teach me. Cause I started doing this in college. And so this has just been It's all you've done. It's all it's all I've it's all yeah. I've done. I'm 24. And I called my friend and I was like, you need to like teach me how to do a regular job application because I'm not doing this shit anymore. Um how recent was that? Oh, that was over a year ago. Okay. But it was just like I was I was really struggling with 
people's opinions about me and caring about them and only reading the bad stuff. And, you know, there's a real learning curve to that. And and a lot of people who um, are, are famous or niche famous or internet famous or real famous, you know, I think there are different ways that people in that position go about dealing with, you know, public opinion. And there are some people who are super cut out for just not giving a shit. They just don't give a fuck. They yeah. just don't give a fuck. And like they will do whatever. And if there's a headline about it or if there's a tweet about it or if there's whatever, they're just like, eh, well, like truly like any press is good press. Like some people really hold that belief close. Like I'm not that person. And I never have been and I don't think I ever will be. If I see a really shitty thing about myself, like I'm sensitive. I'm really, really sensitive. And that's, I mean, my, my, the first therapist when I was 15 was like, you are a sensitive person. You mull everything over it. That's mm. what she used to tell me. And I realized somewhere along the way with this, you know, make just, you know, being a, a creator um, and working kind of in the public eye that like that is not a quality conducive to this job at all. And so I'm working on it always. And I proudly, like, I think I give less of a shit now than I ever have about that um but yeah but i have so the fact that you're like wow he always comes back i'm like yeah like yeah a cockroach. And it's fucking, yeah and it's and it's tough and we'll and we'll get into that because i think one of the things yeah i want I, I actually i don't want to assume why you keep coming back or what state of mind you're in so i want to get to that in a bit because not that most of the listeners are making content at the level you are but everyone listening, everyone, this community that I've built that's all over the world, they're all people that want to make a difference. You have done that in a really big way, in a really effective way. And so we'll get into the sort of like, how do you care for yourself and all that in a bit. A uh, couple disclaimers. One of them is I'm so sorry that you're inside on such a beautiful day. I wish we could have taken this outside. I was As I was walking here, I was like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And we're going to go sit in a stuffy office to... Uh, record this. So thank you so no, much for it's okay. coming we, and spending time with me. The rats are out in full season. If we were <laughs> if we were outside, I think one would have like probably run over our legs or something. Um, also happy almost Pride Month. Happy almost Pride Month. We're recording this on Pride Month Eve. Eve Pride Month Eve. And it's also the, uh, what, the, the couple days in which the right is boycotting the already homophobic Chick-fil-A. Yes. So, so it's kind of like a fun sort of day to watch interesting things happen on the internet where you're like, wait, wait, Oh, and the and that uh, so not only Chick Fil A but the Chosen TV series. Did you see that? I don't even know what that so is. So Cho- the Chosen is this. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a like feature films of uh, the the Bible, Jesus, and all the things that happen in the Bible. Oh. But, it's, but evidently, it's really well done. Like millions of people are watching it. Oh. Well, then somebody got a hold of some behind the scenes, and one of the crew members had a pride flag like on the side of one of the cameras or whatever. They're gonna boycott the whole thing because oh. one crew member is gay. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so the so the chosen released a statement that was basically like, you know, we have all kinds of people here. We want to honor and respect. It was a, it was a a decent statement for all all things considered. Uh-huh. And people were like cowards, like blah 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 blah. So now they're 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 they can't stop with boycotting. Bud Light and Target and all those things. Now they're boycotting Chick-fil-A for hiring a DEI vice president. Right. And The Chosen for uh, having a pride flag on set. Well, the the boycotting saga. Like one day there's going to be a Wikipedia page. I always think about like 
<laughs> I always think about what's happening in the current moment that we'll have a Wikipedia page at some point in the future. Oh, sure. I'm like, how will this be, you know, conceptualized and summarized in a Wikipedia page one day in the future? And like right now we are in literally like the, <laughs> the conservative gay boycott wars, um, which are so silly. It's silly. Um, but I-, I saw the Chick-fil-A thing. So basically Chick-fil-A hired as like, Basically, every American corporation has done at this point, like a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer, like or team or whatever, which is basically just responsible for diversity, equity, and inclusion among like employees, yada yada. Um, this is basically just standard at this Super point. Standard. And like, I'm not here to defend corporations ever, but like, these are really important as far as like workplace wellness and making sure hiring practices are good and and you know people are given an equal chance and whatever. And but you know Chick Fil A is like notoriously terrible as far as where the executives are putting their money after it's made. Um, super homophobic, super transphobic, right wing, you know Christian organizations that are like really anti human rights, which. I believe up until this point, all of these people boycotting everything would have loved, you know? And when I saw... They go to Chick-fil-A multiple times a week, all of them, every single one. Just, just so that their their homophobic sandwich, chicken money, goes to the to the right place. In their yeah. Um, no, but like when I saw that they were... I was on Twitter yesterday morning and I was scrolling and I saw someone being like, wow, they have a chief of diversity at Chick-fil-A, guys. I really don't want to boycott them, but are we going to have to boycott them? It was like so funny. I know which tweet you're talking about. I, Is yeah. it like the, the just the blondest dude? Like he looks like the alpha male. I mean, like, you're, you're describing, well, you're describing all of them. All of yeah, them. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like, um, I was like, wow, like, are they going to finally do what we've been trying to do? I've been trying to boycott Chick-fil-A for a long time. I don't talk about it as much anymore because at some point, you know, Chick-fil-A is going to make their money whether or not the twink, the, the twink influencer wants them to or not. So, uh, yeah, but I remember like, oh, literally this time, two summers ago, I made an Instagram post that went pretty widespread about the um, sort of the flow of money in and out of Chick-fil-A and like where it's going and how terrible it mm. is. And my goodness, the blowback that I got for it from people from people who have like a parasocial relationship with Chick-fil-A. And they're that's like an enormous amount of people. And like I get it when something's your comfort food or whatever, but it was like they were just like, you know, and then they took our chicken sandwich. And I said nothing because I wasn't a chicken sandwich. Like it was, it was nuts. There were like viral TikToks made by right-wing people in response to my viral Instagram post being like, we don't give a fuck, like, fuck you and your gay people. We're going to go eat chicken. And I'm like, dude, like, do whatever you want. I'm just making this known. But point being, I have tried for a long time to to achieve what these people might actually achieve. All on their own. (laughs) Just like they went so far right, they went left, I guess. I guess, yeah, broken clock is right twice a day, right? Right, Um, right. Okay, and we'll get into more of all of that soon. Um, sure. I, I like to begin most of the conversations I have, and especially I'm really interested in a few different angles here, but I would love to hear more about your upbringing and your childhood. Again, mm. in your 
early 20s, you have found success uh, helping people navigate some of the bigger issues happening, right? Your content, I mean, just go, everybody, if you're not already following Matt, let's go look at the numbers. And the numbers are outrageous compared to other people with way bigger platforms that you just get, you're really good at getting engagement. That's what I think one of your special powers is making stuff that people want to share. Hmm. Cause you can be fucking, you know, the biggest movie star in the world and you share a photo that no one wants to share. You know, you just share content that is just like, yeah, and it doesn't get shared and yours gets shared, you know, every post, everything is super substantial. And so you've done this pretty early. You've had found this success pretty early on in life. Tell me about your childhood. Take me up into the point. Let's, let's talk childhood as far back as you want to go. And again, you don't have to like say whatever you want to and don't say whatever you want to. Okay. About your family, the people and places and things that shaped you growing up. Um, how and when you sort of began to realize that you were gay and what that journey was like. Yeah. Um, take us up until the point where you started making content. You said in college, right? So a sure, few years yeah. ago. Yeah, so I grew up in a suburb in New Jersey, like relatively conservative. I mean, very like standard American East Coast suburb. Um, I, I had a hard time through high school socially. I... I mean, I, I'm very close with my family. I have a, a Jewish family. We grew up pretty traditionally Jewish, um, but not not super like by the book. Um, so I, I ended up, I knew I was gay when I was like 10, just because I had at that point spent enough time on the internet. Um, and I don't want people to like twist that and be like, oh, he was on Tumblr and Tumblr made him gay. It was like, no, I got on Tumblr because like, yeah, maybe I was on the internet too much too early, but like also I was exposed to content on Tumblr that made me realize who I was, 100%. which is very different yeah. than what people accuse me of, which is like turning kids gay. And I'm like, honey, if I had the power, you know, but I don't. <laughs> um, but um, right. So, so I, I knew when I was 10 and then I spent five years as, as a lot of queer people do, a lot of queer people spend a lot longer than that, especially older than me. Mm -hmm. um, but kind of grappling with it, I repressed it really hard. I remember just being like, this is a phase and you'll marry a woman and you'll have kids that you've come back and visit your parents. And like, I, you know, I had like the nuclear family dream too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when I was 15, I was like, okay, it's not going away, Matthew. Dur during those five years, 10 to 15, yeah. was it just you in the mirror or did you have anyone that you could no. talk it out with? No, it was me in the mirror. Mm, yeah, tough. and it, it is tough. It, tough. it is tough. And it's also not unique. And like I said, a right. lot of people spend that you in the mirror time like way longer than five years. And I do think that that's like, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I do think that especially during your adolescence to be grappling with something so profound about yourself. Cause it's not just like, who do I go to school and have a crush on? It's like, who am I fundamentally, does this crush my parents' dreams of who they see me being, you know, what doors does this open, but also like what doors does this close as far as the type of future that I can have, where I can live, what I can do, who I can be. And to be asking those questions to yourself when you're like, also supposed to be doing social studies homework. You know, it's it's it really, I think, like changes your brain chemistry for a long time. Um, 
at least that was, you know, that was the case for me. And, but yeah, when I was 15, I started coming out slowly to my friends because I was like, this, I'm not, this is not going anywhere. Mm. And I was a freshman, so I saw some seniors in my high school. I had a pretty big, I went to public school and it was a pretty big public school. And I saw some seniors who were out and I was like, okay, like, yeah, you know, maybe they're like a little beaten up on, but at least they exist in their yeah, grad. So they're, they're graduating, going, right. going to college. Like there's at least a, a near future that I can understand myself at, in being gay. So, so I came out when I was 15. I came out to my family about a year later. Um, most of like people in my school knew before my parents, but my dad is like, <laughs> he loves to tell me, he's like, I knew when you were six. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which, Did you believe that? Yes. Yes. Fully. I mean, I was always like very, you know, limp-wristed, as, yes. <laughs> as they say. I really was. I like remember my mom picking me up from preschool one day and we were playing house and I was wearing like there was this floral skirt that, you know, we had like a little like costume closet or whatever in our in our preschool classroom. And I remember there was just this one like little floral skirt. It was like the cheapest little chintziest thing. But I loved putting it on. Mm. Um, and which is like the most cliche, you know, Sign. growing up yeah. queer yeah. narrative of like, I loved wearing my mom's heels. But like I literally did. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they always, they always knew. And so I went through high school being one of like the few out kids in my high school and, um, definitely the most outspoken because I think like when you are in a town and you come out, especially if you come out early, like you're in primary school, you're made, you know, I didn't have like the whole, like the internet and the whole thing that I'm doing now, like none of that, but it was even just in your like own little community, you're kind of like made into an activist, which is so annoying because you just like want to be yourself. Norm- yeah. But like you're put into like, like you're like the representative for the gay community. And I'm like, you know, you know, in your, in your little village. And I think that's like a lot of pressure for a lot of kids to have after they come out. hundred percent. Is like, you know, being one of the few gay people in your schools and feeling like that's your defining trait um so but yeah so then I went to school I moved I went to NYU um and then while I I was studying like art and marketing at NYU and while I was a so I was a freshman and for the bulk of my freshman year I was just having a really hard transition into like adulthood into New York into friends into drinking and drugs honestly um I was and, and mental health, and I was really, really struggling. Mm. Mm. And then the following year in my sophomore year, I moved off campus. Um, I started to find my footing a little bit, um, take care of my mental health, surround myself with people who, you know, were living like generally healthy lives. And that was when I started to like kind of aimlessly post on the internet about gay things, about lefty things. Um, You know, Trump was in office, so every day online, which this still feels like the case, but like especially four years ago, it was like with Trump sharing our internet, it was like chaos every day. It was fucking miserable. It was was miserable. It's still miserable. It's still miserable. (laughs) Well, no, no, but I I blame Trump for so much of the misery because I don't feel like... 
there's always shitty people everywhere. I'm shitty sometimes online. Yeah. But I feel like he brought, he made shittiness normal. He, right. And also like he, because of his Twitter presence, right. he became like the collective internet's main character every day. It felt like um, where it was like, what did Trump say? And now what do we all have to react to it? And I really, when he was kicked off Twitter and then like, you know, receded into truth social or whatever the fuck, he, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that there was another person who was like that until Elon Musk bought Twitter. And now I feel like in a lot of ways, more so in his first few months as as CEO of Twitter, but like Elon became that person where it's like, okay, like every day we just basically have a conversation about what this guy said. And like, who gives a shit? Can we talk about something else? Um, but anyway, Trump, right. It was it was Trump's presidency. It was Trump's internet. It was Trump's social media. It was like Trump's everything. It was Trump's America. And as, as they say. And I just started posting. And it was very different then. It, it, the content looked very different. Um, you know, I've had many evolutions of my content over, over the years. Um, but it was just something that I enjoyed doing. I when I had time that I wasn't, you know, in class or studying or whatever, I it was just like a fun creative outlet that I could like write and make pictures and, you know, be political and in, in the, you know, it, it was just it was it was way earlier for me. I felt younger than I am now in more ways than one. Um, but it was the it was the starting of things. So yeah. So let's go back a little bit to when you were. I, I feel like that was an interesting. That was a helpful sort of telling comment about maybe where you know you talked about being forced into becoming an activist in yeah. high school. That's it. Interesting to me. Do you think that's where? First of all, yeah, I feel like which like I don't consider myself now. By the way, sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. Go for it. But I just like don't consider myself an activist, and I actually I've said this. I say this anytime I'm given the opportunity to, but I I just don't like that label. I know I, I know people who call themselves activists and they are so much more deserving of the title. Like they're like on the ground organizing, you know, leading rallies, leading petitions, leading all these. Like I post on the internet and I'm really aware of that and the limitations of it. And like I think that the title of activist is like not unilaterally applied to people who talk about their political opinions. It's like if you are queer or a person of color or a woman or disabled or fat or a sex worker, all of these things, and you talk about your experiences in the world as those, you know, as part of any of those groups, you become an activist. Whereas like conservatives who talk about being conservative just get to be like, or even frankly, like, liberal cis straight white men who talk about their politics just get to be like political commentators or just like people talking about their views. So true. And it's, it's so true. Those titles are like so much lower stakes. Mm -hmm. And like, I do understand the responsibility that comes with being a prominent figure in a marginalized community, but like, I'm just another person talking about their views. And I, I, um, you know, Maybe that's naive, but no. Well, no, no. I, I, I take your point. Fair enough. You know, but also, so what would, you, so what would you call it? Like, let's put a label on it. 
if you're not an activist, which I, I hear you, you're, you're, you're making, you're not out there in the marches and, right. you know, bringing homeless people off the streets and into whatever. Right. What we traditionally think of, you know, when we think of activists, serving meals, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, would, but you're doing important work. Like you're doing work. You're doing the work. I think what you're doing, we'll talk about your label in a second, what you're doing, your content goes out into the world. And I think you are creating activists and you're also, those that are out there doing the work, you are providing them with, because if you're out there doing the work, but you don't have, like you're giving them uh, something they can link to. Yeah. Like the stuff you make is stuff they're sending to their, because it's, they don't have to read a long, you know, uh, New York Times article or a Politico or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're making it so uh, uh, understandable. Yeah, accessible. Accessible. Yeah. And so you're providing uh, 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 the resources for activists and quote unquote normal people alike to share with their friends and family and to be educated themselves. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, if I had to label myself, I would just say like, I'm a creator or I'm, yeah, I'm a, I I do commentary or I'm Matt. Like, I don't know. But I think too, like my goal, first of all, okay, two things. First of all, Yes, a lot of people say that, you know, my content is digestible and accessible and it makes it so people don't have to go out and read articles and research papers and whatever. And I think that's part of the beauty of it and that's why I love doing it. I also do think that, like, people with the resources should read those things. You know, like, I've gotten, like, criticism for, like, oh, well, like, you know, you're just making everything so simple and da-da-da-da. And I'm like, this is 101 this is a starting Get point. Get in the door. Yes, because frankly, like I've, you know, one time I read a criticism of myself that I still think about, which was that like Matt, you know, Matt's content doesn't scratch enough beneath the surface. If people really want to learn about this shit, then they should go read books. And I was like, so go get them to read books. Right. Good luck. You know, because like people... You're also not presenting yourself as the end-all be-all. You're not saying, I am, I'm like, not. Come, come to me to get your news each day. That's not what you're doing. I'm not. And sometimes I sometimes people will come up to me in person and they'll be like, you're my news source. And I'm like, well, I please don't. sure fucking hope yeah. not because yeah. I'm not anyone's news. I'm not a news source. Um, you know, again, I do commentary. I comment on the news as we all do. Um, I've just found a way that at least for right now and and recently has been able to click with people on a, on a on a grand scale um you know it is very shareable it is very digestible and i want that to inspire people to go further um and like if that means reading a book then fine if that means reading an academic paper then fine i think that's great but you know i i get annoyed when people are like you know, if people really want to learn about this adequately, then they should be reading all these things. Because you're not wrong, but it's also just like very hard to get people to read books. It really is. Um, and so if, if you know, I think it's better than nothing to at but, least but have- But please go one step. Go, go, go learn. Go, yeah, go do but, the deep dives. Yeah, but like, you know, something you were saying, and this brings me to part two, is like of, of my response is- that I make content for activists. And I, you know, if people who like really work 
in this stuff and in queer stuff and left-wing queer stuff, like if they see value in it and if it helps them do their work, then like that's, you know, a blessing. But also I would argue that I'm making content more for the people who aren't steeped in all of it already. Um, Mm. And that's one of my favorite things is when people come up to me in person and they're like, I shared this with my dad and it helped us start talking where we weren't talking before. You know, I sent this to my uncle. I sent this to, you know, my sorority sisters or whatever. And it was like, made them realize that, hey, maybe the thing that they were thinking isn't as true as they thought. Um, And like, I'm really, you know, there's so much noise online and I'm well aware that I'm part of that. I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not claiming to not like, to not be like other girls. I am like other girls. (laughs) But, um, you know, in in any liberal or progressive left-wing content, and this also holds true, by the way, like for everyone on the right and all the right-wing content creators. Sure. Like, you know, I'm just talking about my own sphere, right? There's a lot of it that I think is super, it's not trying to reach the middle, you know, it's not really trying to educate. It's just trying to like congratulate people for thinking the way that they already think. And that's fine. But I really try to make content that will like connect with people who don't yet know where they sit. I I agree. I think that's, I think you are, it feels like you're very self-aware about what you're doing and what you're not doing. I would personally, being an outside observer, take it one step further. I don't feel like it's just because being a commentator on what everybody can also see for themselves is one thing. I think, and this is also an, an overly used title as well, but I see you more as like a storyteller. Yeah. Because when you create that, it's not just like, there are commentators and they just kind of tell it like it is in a very succinct, clear way. That's great. Yeah. But you're telling a story in the four or five or six slides that you create about whatever the newest headline is. And I think that's, um, that seems to be one of the main reasons that, and I appreciate you saying that in your mind, you're not making it for the activists and, you know, you're making it for people that have not yet made up their mind. Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing because there isn't enough content like that. There aren't enough people. We just assume personally, when I share stuff online, I'm not, My first, when I post something, my first um, instinct is not, how can I communicate this in a way that um, people that have made up their mind about this will be more intrigued? I'm just kind of like, fuck this person for doing that thing. Like I shared this thing today about how Hailey Bieber, she's doing a thing with Got Milk, right? And Aubrey Plaza has also gotten shit for that. Uh, several other oh, sort I of saw model that Aubrey types. Plaza thing. Yeah. yeah, and then Haley Bieber's the newest one. She's, you know, she's in her bathing suit, got milk, and 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 I is should- got milk. Sorry, side note: is got milk having like a resurgence? So because is- I remember this like this was like early two thousands yeah, in my elementary school mustache. classrooms. Yeah. Yes, the like Sean Johnson on the balance beam with the milk mustache. Like we had a poster of her in my child in my first grade classroom. Well, I don't think they're having a resurgence. I think the dairy industry is scared as fuck because of the 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 rise of because, uh, because plant based vegan alternatives. Because right? we're, we're drinking oat milk. Yes, right, I, right. <laughs> insult, insult. We're part of the 
the problem or the solution, the depending solution, on where you stand. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a vegan. And so I, hmm. you know, and so I am not a judgy vegan, but I am, I, I am trying to like communicate to people like, Hey, the data is clear. Like, I'm not saying you have to be a vegan tomorrow, but we have to lessen our animal product intake. Sure. We're fucking the planet over. Yeah. And so when I see, you know, Haley Bieber, you, Haley, you've got to know that dairy milk is not good for the planet. It's not good for the animals. And there are so many great alternatives out there. Like, why are you taking the got milk check? You already have enough money. Like, yeah. so anyway, but, but when I post that stuff, I'm not looking to say, Hey people, let me, let me, let me calmly and wisely educate you on why this is a bad idea. Yeah. I'm like, you willfully ignorant fucks, like stop doing this. <laughs> and, but you, I'm not saying you don't have those moments. But you are, you are. Oh, I do have those moments. Yeah. To be clear, I have those moments. How do you, how do you, um, what's your process like when you are creating something, you know, you, uh, yeah. What is your process, right? Because you wake up in the morning mm. and you, uh, how, is, is it you on Twitter, you're seeing what, and you're like, yeah, I need to make a post about that on Instagram or whatever. Or how, how what is the process like? Because I think that that'll be fascinating for people to hear as much as you want without giving away the secret sauce. I don't think there is a secret sauce, honestly. I just think everyone uses their brains and makes content, you know, according to what <laughs> what their opinions are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I read the news a lot. I read Twitter a lot and even like Facebook sometimes because if you want to mm. know like what boomers yep. are talking about, then you can go on Facebook and find that. Um, I just try to at any point have a sense of the conversation. Right, because then you can talk about it in a way that's hopefully new or interesting or well informed or funny or whatever it is. Um, and then, yeah, interestingly, like Instagram tends to be a slower platform as far as the travel of news is concerned. Totally. And so, and that's just because algorithmically, you're mostly seeing content from people you already follow. Mm -hmm. Versus if you're on Twitter. Um, or TikTok, which I admittedly use less, but you know, it, those platforms show you a lot of content from people that you don't yet follow, and so conversations are just generated faster through you know retweets and for you pages and everything, and everything just travels faster. It also has a shorter lifespan. Like a tweet doesn't have nearly like the the staying power of an Instagram post or anything like that. So things are much more fleeting. Um, but yeah, I use those. The, I like again, like mostly Twitter, Facebook, whatever, to like see where people are at. You know, if some if if Target is removing their Pride merch, mm -hmm. then it's like I'm like okay, let me get a sense for how people are discussing this, where the public opinion is. Do I agree? Do I disagree? To what extent? Um, and I basically just start thinking about all of those things, and I bookmark things, and I screenshot things, and I just. Every single post starts with like essentially just a folder that's collated of like what the hell is going on. So then I can start piecing it together through my brain in a way, in, you know, and my opinions. And and then I try to articulate those opinions, right? I start writing things out. Um, and then, you know, the last step, I have everything written out. I have all of the pictures. I have all of everything. And then the last step is... Like making them designing it, making them into Instagram slides that, like, you know, people sometimes have have critiques of the format um, of, you know, and there are definitely limits to 
trying to convey your ideas on Instagram, like no doubt about it. 100%, yeah. But ultimately, like I'm trying to get my ideas across to as many people as possible, as many people who are willing to read it. And the way to do that is to make it visually appealing. And sometimes I think I succeed and sometimes I don't. Like sometimes I, you know, a month, two months, whatever, after I post something, I'll go back and I'll be like, maybe people would have read that if you had done a better job making it look good. And like, I wish that wasn't the case, but that's the platform. And when you're scrolling, I don't know if there's been an updated statistic, but I learned this in my marketing class in college, that when you're scrolling, um, people stay on a piece of content for 1.7 seconds. so no time at all. Yeah, Yeah. 1.7 seconds before they decide to stay or keep scrolling. Um, And so you have 1.7 seconds to get their attention, get their attention. Or, or to lose it. Um, and I that's what I think about every time I make content because I'm just like, how am I going to hook people? You know, right up front, what's the image? What's the text? You know, I have whatever, 10 words to put on that first slide. I'm going to choose them really carefully so as to keep people. Um, well, I think that's very, I, I, that that's smart to go in with that mindset. And we'll, we'll stop talking about the content here in a second because uh-huh. I have some other stuff I want to get to. But I think... On that note, because your your content does not look the same, but it has a feel. It has a feel when you like scroll past it. Yeah. That like most people I know that follow you that want to consume your shit, like they're even if they're scrolling quickly, they're gonna see that sort of iconic color scheme. Right. The right? color scheme. Which is like the purple, blue, pink, right? Like that. Uh-huh. And, but they're gonna but they stop. So when I'm scrolling through yeah. really quickly. I want to see my everything nails that you right post. Now. It's beautiful. Is that is that by the way nails? Yes, for the camera. They already saw. It. Is that for is that a recent addition for Pride or is that just like? What oh no, I'm going to get them redone next week. Okay. These, these are growing out, but the my I I was getting them done, and I was like, huh, I kind of want something that feels like my post. Yes, just for no reason. I was just feeling like that's the direction. I that's amazing. Yeah, but to yeah, like I scrolling, you know, whether I'm intently trying to look for something or whether I'm just like having a moment where I'm just like, fuck everything and just scrolling. Hmm. When I see your stuff, I stop. And so, yeah. you. Well, thank you. (laughs) Well, you've you've successfully like uh, 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 capitalized on people's inability to focus. Right. Because my stuff, I don't have a scheme. Like my stuff, you know, it could be black and white one time. It could be, you know, lots of colors, uh, white background, black, like it doesn't follow anything. So nobody knows when they're scrolling through quick. Yeah. Oh, that's Nick's content, right? So that's a beautiful thing. Well, thank you. But I and I also like I really don't take that for granted. It's like the the like, oh, that's Matt's content, so I'm gonna stop and read it. That's not that won't necessarily be true tomorrow if my content sure. lessens in quality. Yep. Right. And so I I don't know. I just try to keep the pressure high on myself to make content that will continue to stop people. Yeah. You know, you can't. You know, rest on your laurels. No, nope. no, not in this, not in this social media f- age. No, it's like you, you know, what you were saying about my content being shareable versus like an actual celebrity whose content is maybe less so. Um, is like I am a content creator, and I always make content with like the readers experience in mind. Like I'm not making content, mm. which is why like I don't post on my main grid at least like a ton of like photos of myself or or stuff like that because like I'm 
you know, for a lot of reasons, I'm not, I'm not, people aren't following me to broadcast, you know, for me to broadcast my life or like look at my makeup every day. <laughs> Gorgeous though it is sometimes. It is. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I really am kidding. But like, I make content that people follow me for. I make content that will be exciting for people to consume. You know what I mean? It's not just like, oh, hey, I got a great picture today. And like, there are some times where I'm like, wow, it must be like fun to be a celebrity and like whose work is not based in social media. Like if you're like a movie actor and your, you know, just like your job is like you could just like post whatever on Instagram and be like, whenever, it whenever. Does, yeah, it yeah. doesn't mean anything. Social media is my medium. And so it is work. And I, and I treat it like that. One more thing on the content, which is, you know, to circle back from what we started on about just like mental health and like taking care of yourself in the midst of, because yeah. I get, I was thinking about it as I was prepping for this, like I get some pretty shitty people. It doesn't affect me I, for a lot of reasons. We're not going to get into the psychology behind that, but like, I don't, people have told me to die and my kid should die and you left this piece of fucking whatever and all mm -hmm. that stuff. I'm familiar. I, I feel bad for them, right? Yeah. I imagine, uh, I, I, I think I'm probably right just because of how the world works and how shitty it is, like that you get it way worse than I would ever get it just because of how we present ourselves and who we are, right? And, and your elevated level of fame, right? I'm a, yeah. I'm a nobody, you know, I'm, I'm over here doing my thing with my few thousand followers and I still get it. Mm -hmm. I post, I did this thing, I forget what it was even posting about, but I, I have, I went, went into my like, you know, if you go into Twitter and then the DMs and then the ones you don't see because they're all uh -huh, uh -huh. And just the most, I mean, just the most horrific things. I've never met this person. I will never meet them. Yeah. That you would feel comfortable telling someone to rot in fucking hell and you, you pedo this and you closet this and all oh, this yeah. stuff. It's just like, so I imagine you get it so much more. So in this social media sort of craziness that we live in where you can't really, if you're trying to create a movement, if you're trying to create content, if you're trying to create something, you have to be on it. Yeah. You have to look at your DMs or maybe you don't, but like you're going to see these shitty things, the comments or whatever. How do you day in and day out take care of yourself so that you don't, and I know you said it, it affects you, right? Yeah. Um, so what are some steps that you take to make sure that you don't, and maybe someday you'll need to do that, just like shut it off and say I'm out. And that'd be totally fine and appropriate. But until that happens, how are you taking care of yourself? No, I have famously never gotten a hate message, so I'm doing peachy. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> mm. No, I, yeah, I mean, I get shit every day all the time. Like, it's nonstop. Um, how do I deal with it? That'll be, that'll be a pause you edit out. No, I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> no, I mean, like... I have come a long way, like I said at the beginning, I've come a long way in like giving less of a shit. Um, and a part of me thinks that that's a trauma response. Like I, I don't mean to like pathologize like every human feeling because I, I really can't see how people do that. But like I, I think, you know, there have been times on the internet where things said to me or about me have been truly traumatizing, like what I was describing about a year ago yeah. when I was just trying to like, you know, honestly, it like keeps me like bedridden at points. Um, not so much anymore, but, um, 
and then you become like a degree of numb to it at some point. Um, and then also part of me thinks that it's just growing and getting better at dealing with it. Um, but I read, you know, and this is unique to like being in a position where people like sometimes write things about you, but like I read, it, I don't read it anymore. You know, like I used to, it's so bad. But like when I first started kind of like becoming a creator with a capital mm. C, like yeah, yeah. I would like Google myself. The worst. The worst. The worst. And anyone with or without a platform who works publicly or doesn't will be like, why the fuck did you do that? But it's like, I, <laughs> I'm really sensitive. And anytime anything negative or like misunderstood is written about me, I'm just like, why don't you understand me? Like, I'm a person. I wanted to sit down and talk to and shake hands with everyone who like, who I felt like didn't understand who I was. And it was killing me because I was just like, you know, how the hell am I going to do this job Mm. without accepting the fact that like some people will make it their mission to misunderstand you. Um, and that doesn't even really cover the people who just like call me a faggot and telling me I'm going to burn in hell. But like, honestly, I don't care. Like I said, I try to read less of it than I used to. Um, only to an extent though, because mm. again, like, one of the best things to me about the internet and about what I'm doing on the internet is like creating community and bringing people together. And one of the ways that I found is really effective in doing that and which makes me feel part of that community is like reading messages, you know? Because the messages are mostly good. They're mostly from people who follow me. They're mostly funny, you know? And, and I mostly enjoy it. But you can't really do that fully or like read the replies to your tweets or anything without seeing shit sometimes that just like rocks you. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, I remember I was like, again, I was climbing, 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 like this was starting to become my job. And someone was like, what if you get someone to help you read the messages or and read like the tweets? Whatever, yeah. Like an assistant, which I've never had and still don't have. Because I was like, that would just take away the fun. Like I, I don't, want to be this like detached person who like taps in once a day to post something and then dips and like goes and lives my life. Like this is You're trying to create community here. I'm trying to create community you and you can't do that through a proxy, you know, no. assistant or whatever. Should we wait for this? Uh yeah, maybe one second. Let me just write down this timestamp. Sure. Okay. Yeah, you I, I don't want to be like a passive participant in in my own work, I want to be an active participant. And yeah, so sometimes that just comes with like shit and seeing shit and reading shit. Sometimes not even about you. Sometimes the stuff that gets you done the most are just like the homophobic shit, you know, like seeing like clips from Fox News where it's like, wow, like they're saying this about us on the most watched cable news network in America. Like, and it's like, that is the stuff where I'm like, you know, this isn't about me directly. This is like, but it's way bigger than a hate message. Um, and it's exhausting. And, you know, I turn it off sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, this sounds like, this is so annoying. But, like, I spend a lot of time at the gym because that's my, like, it's become, especially in the last, like, year and a half, my way of being off of my phone. Yeah. Honestly, great. and, like, listening to Britney Spears and, like, 
doing the Stairmaster and like, I don't know. It's so annoying and like kind of like woo, but. That's a YouTube <laughs> channel idea right there. Just like when, when, when Matt's not creating content, this is where Matt is. Just like a, just like a, just like a live cam. And it's just like, give me more for 45 minutes, like every remix available while I'm on the Stairmaster. That is kind of what happens. But it gets me like, you know. It, yeah, you need it. I, I do. So yeah, I would say like, logging off and when I'm logged on, like trying to engage with the internet sensibly. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, yeah. If you were not that it wouldn't be respectable, but if you were doing it through, you know, if you were sort of engaging con, you know, comments and messages through a team of proxies or whatever, that's still admirable. Like you're still creating community, but I love the idea that you're like, well, I'm not going to not engage with these comments. I, I just need to do it in a responsible way. And yeah. when I need to shut it off, because that just tells me that, yeah, you're you're actually trying to build a community of people that are digesting your content responsibly. Well, and we all have those moments, I think, like whether you're a creator or not, like anyone who uses social media, I think everyone can relate to like the feeling of like, you know, you're on the couch and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling or you're in bed or whatever. And like at some point it hits like, Maybe this is less relatable than I think it is, but you just like hit a moment where you're like, I've been doing this too long. Mm. I think I've been doing this too long. And when your job is to be on social media, I just feel like I reach that at some point every single day. And I think it's about listening to yourself and being like, Matt, shut it off. Like something becomes too upsetting, or you're just like, I'm too far down the rabbit hole of like an inter an internet argument or a Twitter argument that I have no stake in and didn't know existed until. 45 minutes ago, like, why am I 35 minutes in on TikTok reading about Selena Gomez and Hailey Bieber? The most pointless shit ever. With all due respect to fans of both of those women, like, I don't care. I don't care. I did not know what was going on. Someone laminated their eyebrows, and then there was an Instagram story with Kylie Jenner, and I was like, great. <laughs> I need to like go outside. I really need to go outside. And so yeah. it's always at that point where I'm just like, Matt, swipe up with your finger, close all the apps, close literally it. touch grass. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, fascinating. And I want to spend the last bit of our conversation um, talking about, okay, we're done. We've talked about your content. It's fascinating. Hopefully everyone at this point has paused us. If they didn't already follow you to go follow you. Thanks. Um. Let's just talk for about the current state of affairs. We're about to go into Pride Month, which yeah. for so many people, thankfully, I think the majority of people, this is a positive thing, a happy thing that we get to celebrate yeah. LGBTQIA plus people everywhere, right? This is great. We're, my kids were all ready to go to Pride. And, you know, this is an exciting month that we get to take every year. And, and, and at the same time, there are so many people that are not happy about it. In fact, they're so not happy that they're going to make their lives miserable and everyone else's lives miserable. They're so not happy that they're boycotting Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. I full mean. circle. Full circle on this. But you have, it's, it, it is kind of interesting because, so you have Ted Cruz, who over the past couple of days uh-huh. called out Ghana for their- Uganda. Was, was it Uganda? I thought it was Ghana. One of the two of them. Edit that out so we... Yes, we'll figure it out. Okay. Ghana or Uganda. Uh, I don't want to sound like an idiot. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Okay. Another timestamp, <laughs> 108. Um, but they, you know, they passed death penalty yeah. for anyone engaging in a queer relationship. Yeah. Horrific, obviously. And Ted Cruz comes out and says, yeah, that's horrific. That should not be. 
you know, even though we know Ted's politics, you know, he says two consenting adults should not be <laughs> put in prison for the rest of their lives yeah. for, you know, having sex, hanging Wait, out. A truly that. radical statement. We shouldn't murder queer people probably. Wild. Yeah. And then every, you know, then all of the, all of the, all of the conservatives, all the Ben Shapiro's and the Matt Walsh's and all those turds, yeah. they get on to Ted Cruz, who Ted Cruz is super homophobic. We know this. We have, we have, we have data. Yeah. Doc, Ted Cruz is like not, <laughs> not a gay rights activist. No, but we see all this eating of their own. We see, you know, uh, people boycotting Target. I saw this yesterday, which I thought was horrific because these people seem to have no, they have no, uh, what is that on your car when you don't want it to go too fast? A governor? Like they have no, they don't know when to stop. They don't know when to stop. There was all these people that were going to Target, going to the pride section. That's all the way in the back now. They were bringing up all the stuff they could, running it through the check, re the, the register, making, like it was bagged up. They would add the protection package for all the clothes, right? It's like $5 an article, like whatever. I don't know. I don't know what, how much that is, but they're ringing up like $1,200, $1,300 bills. And then walking with the register saying, oh, I forgot my card. So they're like, now you're taking minimum wage employees. You already got, yeah. them, to, you already got them to push all of the pride stuff to the back of the store. And now you're making these minimum wage uh, workers go put all your shit back. Like, again, you think this is working. So we're in just a weird, yes, pride in New York is going to be amazing. Pride in many other cities in the around the U.S. and around the world are going to be amazing. But yeah. there's this constant like fight of like, yeah, and then tomorrow we could see some trans person be murdered or whatever. It's such a weird time where we're making so much progress. Thank, thank God and all of the gods. But there's yeah. still so much work to be done. So in the spirit of that, how do you feel about what's going on? What's exciting you? What's scaring you? Like, what, mm -hmm. what, are you, what are you seeing and feeling right now? Well, I mean, I love Pride Month. Everyone loves Pride Month. Yes. I mean, Everyone does. Even the ones that say they don't. I they, mean, they, it's, it's a fun. happy time. Yes. And it's also just like fucking June. Like, grow up. You Like, everyone loves Pride Month. <laughs> Except the ones who apparently don't. But it's interesting. And I was just reading an article this morning about this. Like, when it comes to discussing brands during Pride Month, in recent years, it's mostly been a conversation, a good conversation, an important one about, like, performativity right. and profit and capitalism. And sometimes it's just like whether pride products from certain brands are just like tacky. You know, I've just made a few videos recently that was like looking back at some, I saw it. Yep. Yeah, at some pretty like funky pride campaigns that have happened like when Chipotle did like homo estas and it was like, okay. <laughs> trying but, too hard, Chipotle. Trying too hard. But, <laughs> but the, conversation this year feels a lot more like extreme and it's you know I think within the community there was like a general understanding in the past that like so, like it, it's like it became a meme to call out like tacky pride stuff from different corporations like when Ikea did the, like made their like bag rainbow or whatever it was like people are like oh yeah this is like kind of silly um but now I mean Target is getting bomb threats over overselling Pride merch. Mm -hmm. Like, this was kind of inconceivable to me even a few weeks ago when the Target Pride merch was released online. I made a video about it that went pretty widespread, just like reviewing all the products, like jokingly, you know, like, is it tacky? Is it not? Is it funny? Is it not? Um, I did end up liking a lot of the offerings. Mm -hmm. 
But I was fully, you know, Target and, and a number of other brands have been like for like 10 years now doing Pride products every year in the same way that they sell like Christmas products around holiday time. It's like I I didn't realize that certain parts of conservative America were like this far gone. Honestly, I didn't. Um, it's getting pretty intense. It's it's getting really intense, and but and, and you can also see that in like you said, Ted Cruz, like <laughs> famous gay rights activist Ted Cruz, yeah, bravely stood up to say that we shouldn't murder queer people, and the thousands of replies to his tweets from conservatives being like <laughs> calling him woke, which like. Yeah, that's another he's the sleepiest motherfucker out there. He's uh, right, he's he's yeah. trust me, like Ted Cruz is fully asleep. Yeah. Also, like obviously, woke being another like right. African American vernacular yes, word that, that like now yes. means completely nothing after being co opted by conservatives. Um, same with cancel, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it is it is interesting. I, well, sorry, wait, go, can go I? Yep, yeah, yeah, sorry, yes, Ooh, no, 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 but go. but but. The thing that I want to remind people too, though, is that while I think the backlash to like Ted Cruz saying that we shouldn't murder gay people represents a concerning amount of conservatives in the direction that they're going with like how extreme the homophobia and transphobia is getting. And while I feel the same way about people who are like fucking showing up to Target and like making a scene about there being like shirts with pronouns on them. These aren't the majority of yes. people. Yep. They're really not. They're not even the majority of conservatives. Um, and like I'm not here to defend like what most conservatives probably have like a neutral stance on this, being like, I don't know about queer people, but you probably shouldn't do all that. Like I think the majority of America is probably somewhere in that camp of like. I'm not going to go out and like figure out what pronouns are and how to respect them, but like also maybe don't send bomb threats to Target. I'm not interested in like defending a centrist, neutral, boring stance because I do think we have to be like actively pro gay, pro trans. You know, I I think that's really important. Yes. Um, But I do think that the people who are being super extreme about all of this are the minority. And they're just getting like a wildly disproportionate amount of media attention. And for good reason. I mean, like, we should be talking about how extreme the extreme is getting. But I don't want people, and this is the reason that I'm saying this, is like, especially queer people, like, I don't want people to get so frustrated and thinking that like, oh, this is just how America feels. This Mm -hmm. is like how the bulk of America thinks now and that we should just like kind of give up and like, lay down and rot because like the fight has been lost. Like these are like, we are winning, you know? And I don't like, I don't like to look at politics as like teams. Right. Right. But, and and, like sports and like blue or red, like I I really don't. Um, But we are winning. And the reason that these ultra far right, paleo conservative, like white Christian nationalists are behaving in the way that they are is because like, this is their like, last dying breath of holding on to the power that they've been accustomed to for centuries. And they're watching it slip away. They're watching trans people get <laughs> fundamental human rights and 
appropriate mm-hmm. representation in TV, in government, in society, in schools. And they see that as a threat to their own power because in some way, it is. Because in order to maintain like the power that you have as benefiting from like white supremacy and patriarchy and homophobia and transphobia and all these things, like the people who with less power than you do have to remain with less power than you. That's how you remain at the top of the structure. These people are watching their pedestal get lower and lower and lower, and they're watching equality kind of barreling towards us. Mm-hmm. And they're terrified of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that should terrify anyone because I think seeing equality as a good thing is just like basic human decency. But, and you know, and I'm sure they wouldn't categorize themselves in the way that I'm categorizing them, you know, all these far right people. But it really is like their last gasp of air in like patriarchy and white supremacy and like all of these things that they've benefited from always and they're watching it slip away. And that's why they're behaving like this. That's why they're trying to convince people that you know, all queer people are pedophiles because like when you run out of real shit to say, you just start making shit up. Literally out of thin air. Out of thin air. And they will lose. Yep. We will win. Yep. And this is tough shit right now, but we will win. I have to constantly remind myself when I compare us to other countries in other parts of the world that seem to have their shit together and they have socialized healthcare and they have, you know, paid maternity and paternity leave. They have all these things. You know, queers have so many more rights than they have here. And they're not just accepted, but supported within society. And I have a, sometimes it's, it's hard to stay focused and realize that this country that started off on a very wrong foot, you know, right. raping and pillaging and stealing is still so young, right? A couple hundred years old. We're in the, we're in the still very, like child throwing tantrums, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work, trying to push buttons. How far can I take, you know, mom or dad or whatever? Like how, how, how much can I push this, right? Like my kids do it. I've got kids so I can see this very vividly. They're nine, 10, and 11. They're right in that age where they're, they're flexing all of their attitude muscles and trying to figure out what they can get away with, right? So I have to constantly remind myself of that because it is so easy to listen to the loud, the, the, the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Lauren Boberts and the Matt Gateses and the Matt Walshes and the Ben Shapiro. It's so easy to be like that. There's so many of them, but there aren't. It's why conservatives will never willingly let the electoral college go. Right. Because if they let that go, they would never hold yeah. political office ever, or they would never have the presidency, that's for sure. And, and Correct. it would change the course of this country for the rest of its existence. And so it's a great reminder. Thank you for reminding us that, and again, not us versus them, but we know what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. They are going to lose. Uh, love and justice and peace are going to win. And yeah, maybe maybe we won't get to experience it in our, you're much younger than me, but like in our younger years, um, but maybe the kids will or their kids, right? But like, this is the work that has to be done so that at some point, these very loud, obnoxious voices that represent the minority are even, you know, fewer and they're quieter because they're being, you know, overrun by the loudness of not just equality, but equity 
and justice. And we, we're, not, we're not dealing with school shootings every other fucking day. And trans people aren't dying just for being who they are, so on and so forth. Um, so that is a great, I, I, I heard you, or I read rather in an interview that you were quoting Harvey Milk. Mm. And I love this quote. And I love that I was reminded of it um, in just preparing a few notes for this. You know, this Harvey Milk quote, it takes no compromise to give people their rights. It takes no money to respect the individual. It takes no political deal to give people freedom. Yeah. I'm seeing more and more of that happen with, that's the thing is, even though your job is on the internet and mine to some extent is as well, when, when, when we get face to face with people, I mean, maybe you've seen this. Have you, have you met, met quote unquote certain people online and then met them in real life and they can't, they're not gonna say the same shit to your face. They're not gonna treat you the same way, not all the time, but so much of the time. Like the things that my, some of my very conservative siblings have texted me mm. about things that I've said or done or supported versus like when we're having a real conversation about it face to face, like in front of them, it's totally different. Because when you have a real person, when you have skin and, and face and features and nails, and you know, <laughs> when you have all these things in front of you, you're not gonna type, again, some people still will, but you're not gonna type, go to hell, this, that, or the other. Right. Or you're gonna type that, but you're not gonna say it. They're not gonna say it to your face because they're like, oh my God, Matt's so kind. Matt is so this, Matt is so that. <laughs> So we've got to figure out, I feel like a lot of the way we move forward, a lot of the ways we silence the bullshit more is by figuring out ways of taking what we do on the internet and on social media, which is very important, and turning that into real life community. I fantasize about that sometimes. When I get like a particularly unhinged message from someone, I'm just like, who is this person? Because, you know, it's usually from people who don't have their faces attached. Like the really unhinged stuff usually comes from like blank profiles or, you know, people with like, you know, just not themselves as their profile picture. And I'm just like, I wish we could sit in my living room right now and you could say everything that you just wrote out out loud. Because you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. But I would like to see you. I would like to watch it. <laughs> I'm blanking on the name of this person. Dylan something. Not, Dil Dil not Dylan Mulvaney. No. But it's this project. They, they did a TED, 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 TED talk, not TEDx, TED talk. And they're queer and they had got all this like hate online. Uh -huh. And they ended up calling. They ended up getting, you know, hey, can, I, can we talk? And they made a whole podcast or something about it. Like talking with people that hate me or whatever. I'm so, my mind is fried right now. I wish I could remember it. But they did this whole project and I, I, I listened to it. And it was so fascinating because yeah, these people will not say the terrible shit that they type out to you in person. And I just wanna see more of that happen. I wanna see more, I know the conversations I've had with my family through text or even through phone, like phone's even different. When you're face to face and they're within grabbing distance, they're within hugging distance, they're within touching distance. Like you just have to approach the whole, whether it's Trump or whatever we're talking about, whether it's the presidency or why are you, why the fuck are you voting for them? Or why are you so scared of trans people or queer people? Or what, why are you so, you know, whatever the case may be, it comes out totally different when you're in person with them. Yeah. There was, um, there was an episode of, I think it was This American Life from a long time ago, but it was with uh, Lindy West. I believe her name is Lindy West. Um, and she is a writer and who's written about like feminism and, you know, things of the sort. And uh, 
had um, someone who was like stalking and harassing her. Her dad died. And then this person made a Twitter account under her dad's name with her dad's picture and continued to send her like vile messages and tweets being like, you know, I never loved you like this and like posing as her dead dad. And eventually the, the person behind it who is an adult man um, wrote her an email being like, that was extremely fucked up of me. And I'm so sorry for everything that I did and all the pain that I caused. My God. And Lindy West got this guy on the phone and just basically, and this was all, you know, discussed on the on the podcast of This American Life, but she just basically was like, Why did you do that? You know, she was like, I've gotten trolls my whole life, but nothing was ever as mean as the guy who posed as my dead dad and told me he didn't love me. And he just expressed like a lot of sorrow and sympathy and basically was just like, I hate women and, or I hated women. And this was my outlet to take it out. Wow. And I was wrong. And then he ended up like making, I don't know if there was like a, a charity that for like, maybe it was like a cancer. I can't remember. Maybe her dad, however he died, I think there was some charity linked or whatever, mm. but um, he ended up like making a donation to it in, in her name or his name or, um, and it was just like, wow, what a stunning, because, you know, we all have trolls and I have yep. a ton of them. And like, what a stunningly rare opportunity to to watch someone realize that they were wrong yeah. and, and apologize. I mean, that's once in a lifetime event on the internet, so. It's not an excuse, but it's hurt people, hurt people and yeah. like action, right? I don't know this guy. I'm actually going to go look up this story. And if listener, I'll share it in the show notes because that's fascinating and very applicable. Yeah. This American Life, I'll find that episode. Um, But yeah, if you were to sit down with this guy and be like, tell me about your upbringing. There's violence, there's trauma, there's something terrible happened to them that made them, not made them, but positioned them to end up hating women for whatever reason. And it's just, we got to break these fucking cycles. And it happens a lot of time by taking the time to talk. Yeah. And it's not easy because these people, it's so vile, the things that they're doing and saying. But yeah, but got to turn it around somehow, yeah. some way. Trolls, trolls are human beings. You just, they are. You just got to heal, honestly. Well, it's very gracious of you to say that because you get so many of them. But it's so true. It's so true. And we've got, and part of the responsibility of being creators, leaders, is not all of them, we can't do everything, but like taking the time to engage. Because so many of them, yeah, just one conversation could change the whole fucking like trajectory of their lives. They're just yelling, screaming for attention in the ways that they know how out of all their hurt and all their pain. Okay, you've been so amazing with your time. Let's wrap up with um, this. What are you excited about? What are you making? Are you, is, is there a shift coming? Is there, are there additions to what you're doing coming? You don't have to have anything, but if you're excited about stuff that we can look forward to, um, this would be the time to uh, share it. Well, yes. Um, so you can you can find me Matt XIV online, um, and I am about to launch my podcast, which Ooh. I've been developing for a while. And I know that everybody and their mother already has a podcast, but I 
I'm going to do it my way. And if you've enjoyed listening to me here, then hopefully you enjoy listening to me there. It's called A Bit Fruity. Um, it'll be wherever you can get your podcasts. And um, and I'm, I'm super, super thrilled. I think I've, I have a good handle on the short form content and how to capture people's attention in 1.7 seconds. And this will allow me to, you know, take whoever is willing to come along for the ride and, um, you know, do deeper dives into, into the conversations that I'm having and engaging with online and that we're all engaging with online. So I, I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited. And yeah, a bit fruity. A bit fruity. Is there an ETA on when that'll be out or just, or just keep an eye? June. 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 Okay. Yeah. So hopefully it's in like the, the RSS feeds and it'll be searchable so you can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever and, you know, follow us and save us. So the trailer will be up and then you'll get notified when, when we start releasing episodes every week. Amazing. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Thank I hope you. We get to do this again at some point. I'm sure we have more to talk about. I know I do, but I'm cutting it short for time here. Um, really helpful stuff. Thank you for creating, for making, for sharing, and for in all the ways we've already discussed, like helping us be better at this hard thing called life. Yeah. Thank you. And and happy pride, everyone. Happy pride. Dear friends, thank you so much for showing up and for spending some time with Matt and me this week. To find links for everything mentioned in today's conversation and to keep up with all things Let's Give a Damn, visit letsgiveadam.com. Please share this episode with a friend. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please show up next week. We have many more incredible conversations coming your way. Chad Snavely, Jess Collins-Harn, and the incredible team at Sound On Studios made this episode. The music is by our friend Propaganda. You can reach out anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. Keep giving a damn this week, friends. I love you all. Bye for now.